on my Zoom is someone that I've already spoken to for Jack Randa FM, but that I really wanted to get back. Dr. Taryn Jacobs, dermatologist extraordinaire, who's going to be t- talking to us about all things skin and everything within. Hello, Dr. Taryn. Welcome to the Zoom. Hi, Danny. I'm so excited to be here again and chat to you. Me too. Okay. First things first, Dr. Taryn, before we get into any of the things that we're going to chat about, what is the skin? Because I mean, I did, I did like a basic Google and it's a lot more than what I thought it was. Yeah. So our skin, you can think about our skin like a barrier. So it is what protects us from the external environment. It's like our faithful security guard that's there 24-7. It protects us from mechanical and chemical damage, from UV radiation, from infections. um, And it really just forms that barrier for us. So that is I think the easiest way to think of the skin. Um, other functions is that it, it helps us make vitamin D. So there's hormone production as well. Um, but it's essentially there to keep the bad things out and the good things in. Okay. I want to talk about this vitamin D situation because I'm reading conflicting things on the internet about sunblock. And I know we're not supposed to trust the internet, but some people are saying vitamin D is good for you. And other people are saying sunblock is bad for you and you shouldn't use sunblock because it blocks out the vitamin D. And then we're hearing that we should be sitting in the sun because vitamin D is like, am I putting sunblock on when I sit in the sun is what I'm asking you. And absolutely. And I think, first of all, vitamin D is an essential vitamin. It's actually a hormone that we all need, right? It's essential for bone health. It's there to support a healthy immune system. Um, So we need vitamin D. And one of the ways in which we get it is through UVB rays from the sun and in our skin. So our skin helps to make vitamin D. Um, And, you know, it is confusing because it has been controversial in science as well. But the majority of data and research is showing that although there's this theoretical risk that sunscreens can inhibit vitamin D production, in real-world settings, it's simply not the case. And that is because no one is really using sunscreen correctly at the right frequency, at the right thickness. And so when you look at the general population, we don't see that it inhibits vitamin D production. Um, I think the most, you know, it's a bit of a moot point because the bottom line is you can get vitamin D from your diet. You can supplement if necessary, but we don't know, you know, the safe level of exposure that will give you vitamin D from the sun but not skin cancer. Okay. 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 I got it. I hope that answers, I hope that, answers yeah. that. And that's really a common question. So thanks for bringing it, bringing it up. No, because I've recently been seeing TikToks where people are lathering Dr. Taryn. Like, but I'm talking about like that their skin is white, 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 white from the sunblock. And then they're spending ages rubbing it in. And I was like, but is that how much sunblock I'm supposed to be? Because I've never used that much in my life, in my whole life. So- Well, I haven't come across those. I think it would make my heart happy, but um, (laughs) my germ heart. Um, But essentially, it it goes to to show how sunscreen is tested at a specific thickness. That's what SPF 
um, measures. It's UVB protection, but it's tested in a way where it's two milligrams per centimeter squared. So what that means, roughly, is that for your whole body, you need about two shot glass. Um, you need a shot glass full or two tablespoons of sunscreen. Okay. Um, for your face, about a teaspoon. So that's like a, a rough rule of thumb. I mean, you don't need more than that. Um, but, you know, rather over-apply than under-apply. Studies show that people only apply about 30 to 50% of the sunscreen they need in order to reach that SPF on the bottle. I'm definitely one of these people. I'm definitely one of these people. <laughs> and if it says waterproof, you can know that I'm not putting on more after I've swept because it's waterproof, right? I know. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm, like I can see your anxiety. <laughs> when, no, when, when we know better, we do better, right? Yeah. So they're, they're forward. <laughs> Okay, let's talk a little bit about you. Um, you are a dermatologist. You have a practice here in South Africa in Pretoria. What is a dermatologist? What do you guys treat? Right, so dermatologists are the specialists when it comes to anything related to your hair, skin, and nails. Hair? Um, well. So. Absolutely. And that I think not a lot of people know that. Um, so we are the doctors who have trained for, you know, four years um, to specialize in all of those conditions related to that. Um, we see things from deadly skin cancers to the common warts. We see a large variety of conditions. Um, in my everyday practice, I would deal with chronic inflammatory conditions like eczema, psoriasis, acne, rosacea. Um, but also skin cancer, hair loss, um, nail disorders, infections. It's just some of the things that I see every day. So we are the specialists to go to if you have any issues, no matter how minor, of the hair, skin, and nails. I never knew it was hair, skin, and nails. I have a ballet big toe from Point Shoes, and it's never come back properly, and I didn't know that I could fix this. I thought it was just... Could come to a derm. Oh, that, that's a very interesting... Yeah, I remember from my ballet days as well, a lot of, a lot of issues from those Point <laughs> Shoes. <laughs> wow. Okay, so I, you see now, I'm really glad that I'm talking to you because I really legit thought that it was just skin, and I was like, God, how much skin? But now when you've listed the things, I was like, there's a lot of skin. Why would an average human being, I mean, we, everyone has a GP, like everyone goes to their GP. Why do we need a dermatologist? Do we need one is what I'm, I think, asking. Absolutely. Um, you know, our skin is our largest organ. It is an incredible organ and we need to protect it. And we spoke about all the functional aspects of why it's so important. But skin conditions are very common and we need dermatologists to address them properly, especially because certain skin conditions can actually cause quite a large impact on a patient's quality of life. Mm. Um, these are visible skin conditions and they're visible to others. And so we know that it can cause low self-esteem um, low confidence, um, it can affect people psychologically, certain skin conditions like psoriasis, and that was our topic beforehand, and eczema, even acne. Um, and so you really want to see the specialist to help you to manage these chronic problems. Um, there's a lot of discomfort that comes with certain skin conditions that you don't get with internal things, yeah. like eczema and itching and, and certain things like that. So, um, so we are there to help, absolutely. Is it more important living in a country like South Africa where we have loads of sun exposure to have a dermatologist 
is more important to have one here as opposed to living somewhere like the UK, which has less sun exposure? Well, you know, we in South Africa, we have one of the highest rates of skin cancer after Australia and New Zealand. And, and that's just because of where we are situated. Yeah. But also because I think as South Africans, we like to be outdoors. You know, that's just our lifestyle. Um, so, so we want to be outdoors and enjoy our beautiful country. Um, it's absolutely, we are on the forefront of treating skin cancer in this country as dermatologists. Um, and I think that we need to create more awareness of that. But you can get skin cancer, you know, in any country. It's just that we have a higher rate here. So I think one of the nice things is talking about it and, and bringing awareness and what to out for and, and maybe we'll get into that I suppose. yeah before we get into that I have to ask you though so say now I've never been to a dermatologist and I have the skin thing but I am so scammed to come to you because I'm like there's not a chance I'm showing you this thing it's dodgy you've seen it all right you you've seen everything nothing is gonna freak you out nothing is gross absolutely I mean, absolutely. So we actually do head to toe um, full body checks. So if we're checking for skin cancer screening, we're checking for moles, um, you know, in sequence, we would check from your scalp to the bottom of your feet. Um, you know, we, we, that's the safest way to pick up skin cancers to a thorough check. Um, there's no need to be scared. There's no need to be shy. Um, it's really, we're seeing this as a, a medical thing. I, it can be daunting to come in and have to remove clothes or show a spot in an awkward area. Um, but hopefully, you know, any doctor is going to make you feel comfortable about that. And also you're not looking at us to judge us, right? You're looking at us to help us and you're looking at a very specific spot. You're not looking at us as an overall human. And we've seen it all. I mean, um, we've seen the most, uh, you know, the largest tumors. We've seen the worst infections and we help all sorts of um, conditions like that. So so don't come in and and, and, and just know that, We've seen it all, um, and there's no gripes about your body. There's nothing like that. It's a medical examination. Okay, Dr. Taran, what are some of the skin conditions that we could have that we don't know we have? Yeah, so I think, you know, skin cancer is something that we're seeing a lot of, and not everyone knows that they have a skin cancer. And this can present as a, just a spot, a mole um, that's changing or a pimple that's not going away, a sore that's not healing up. And so I will recommend to my patients to check your own skin every month or every other month, but to come in, like I say, for a yearly head-to-toe check, meaning a full-body, total-body skin check. What you're looking for at home are sort of those spots that kind of stand out. So the ugly ducklings amongst all your other spots. And this can appear, that is actually a medical term. This can appear as, you know, a changing mold that is abnormal in shape, color, a bigger diameter, being bigger than a pencil eraser, anything that's really changing, you know, changes the key here. If you notice that something is changing, then that could mean that something's off and a good reason to see your dermatologist. Okay. Now, I did some research about this because I wanted to ask you this question. So they say um, a mold that has edges that aren't like, like linear, right? And I did some self like research. None of mine have those edges. Does that mean that I'm like covered in skin cancer or is that normal as well? 
So the I think what you mean is the borders are irregular. So instead of nice smooth borders, and, and hopefully that's what you have. Yeah. Otherwise you need to come see me. <laughs> um, but if you see that the borders are irregular, and what we call it is the ABCDEs of melanoma. So A is asymmetry. That means you divide your mole or your spot in four, and each quadrant should be equal. B is for irregular borders. C is for color changes. So if you're seeing more than two colors, I mean, sometimes that can be normal, but it's an indication to get it checked out. D is for uh, diameter bigger than five to six millimeters, and then E is for evolving the change that we spoke about. So it's, it's not just, you know, it's, it's all of those things can actually play a role. Um, don't always worry about melanoma. That's the signs of melanoma, but you can get atypical moles as well. Um, that's where we come in as specialists. Let us have a closer look. Let us decide and see if it needs to be perhaps cut out and, and further sent for, sent for further tests or not. Don't self-diagnose, Danny, is, is, is what Dr. Taran is saying. Don't self-diagnose. Have a look. Yes. And if you think it looks weird or if it doesn't match what, you're, what you think Dr. Taran's saying, then go. Don't self-diagnose. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of mind at the moment, COVID pandemic. Uh, we all know someone who's had COVID, someone who's isolating mm-hmm. because they're a contact. Like there are many, 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 many things. And I've recently... Uh, what happens to me after getting COVID, there are skin things that happen and they're not normal, quote unquote. I mean, obviously normal because they happen to us, but they're they're kind of mm-hmm. weird skin things. What are some of the skin things that are associated with testing positive for COVID-19? Right. And I think it's important. Like a, a lot of us, we're just looking for the symptoms of COVID, cough and fever and shortness of breath. Um, but we don't realize that COVID-19 can affect the skin. And although it is less common um, than the other symptoms, it can sometimes just present in a few people with skin signs. So it's good to be aware of. Um, you know, last year with, with the start of the pandemic, doctors started to notice that patients with COVID were, dis- were developing this discoloration and swelling of the toes. And so COVID toes has been recognized as no. this purple, bluish discoloration of the toes. Yes, it's things that we have been seeing. Um, other things that it can look like are like a rash that can look like hives, so like hives on the skin, a measles-like rash, chicken pox-like blisters, as well as like a net, lacy net vascular pattern on the lower legs. Um, So those are signs to look out for. What we're also seeing is that after COVID, I'm seeing it a lot professionally, is that there's a type of hair loss that is associated with COVID. And that is called a hair shedding or telogen effluvium. That's actually something we've been seeing with anyone who gets sick or has a fever or has been in hospital. Um, And it's where your hair temporarily sheds. Um, And we're seeing it quite early on, about one and a half months after a COVID infection. But the good news is, is that it is temporary. Okay. I was just going to ask you, these things sound scary. They're obviously not scary, but they're not forever, right? Yeah, so that, that luckily that hair loss is temporary and, and usually your hair will get pushed into a growing cycle, whereas any infection or stressor in your body can put it in a resting shedding cycle. So I asked, And you, you mentioned what you had, yeah. Um, was- so I I we got I got COVID and I got very, 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 very sick with COVID, like full on all of it. And 
I got, I got better and I was so good, like really, really good. And then about three months later, I was in the shower and I looked at my stomach and I had these like, I had like a ringworm ring, mm. just one. Mm. And I was like, that's so weird. So obviously I went and I put ringworm ointment on. I went and showed the pharmacist. They were like, no, it's definitely ringworm. I was like, where, where would I ever, I don't, you know, I don't go anywhere. I'm in my house. And then yeah. as I, as we treated it, one turned into two, turned into three, until mm. my whole midsection was just covered mm. in these red, they look like rings, um, yeah. covered. And then I was diagnosed with pityriasis rosea, I think is what it's called. And apparently yeah. it's one of the reactions, an immune reaction, I think is what they said, to COVID. Yeah, so um, that's really interesting because it's not a common thing, um, but there have been a few reports in the world of people developing this pityriasis rosea. And it's exactly as you say, for those who are listening and have no clue what we're talking about, it's a viral rash that presents as these oval kind of red patches on the skin, usually on the trunk. Fortunately, it is self-limiting, meaning it goes away in six to 12 weeks by itself. And fortunately, it's not harmful. Um, but that, that was, that's really interesting that it happened to you um, because it's rare, you know? Oh, yeah. great. That's Luckily, lovely. it went away very quickly, I hope. Sure. No, it did. You yeah. know what? And I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I more than once was in tears about it. And it definitely, I mean, no one could see it and no one knew. But knowing that yeah. there was something wrong with me and that under mm. my shirts, I was just this like red inflamed torso. Um, it definitely changed my confidence levels mm, um, mm. and there were nights where I mean we were trying we were doing holistic we were doing I, dude I would have put crystals on it if I thought that it was gonna yeah. you know like Absolutely. and uh it was just it was after speaking to you about how things like psoriasis and eczema affect people on the daily um it definitely tr it definitely triggered me because it wasn't anywhere that someone could see but having it affected me very very badly and it did go away on its well, I mean not on I don't know if it went away on its own or if it was a number of different things I changed my diet I like you know we did a lot of things but waiting for it to go away and trusting that it would go away and trusting yeah. what the doctors were saying was a very difficult space for me to be in so I can very much relate I, I mean I could never understand but I can relate to someone who has something mm -hmm. like eczema or psoriasis that is visible because I never want to feel like that again in my yeah. life ever well thank you for sharing that Danny because I mean people can see that Skin conditions, they're more than skin deep. Um, they can absolutely cause a lot of anxiety, no matter what yeah. they are. Um, and more so if it is a chronic problem that you're going to be um, suffering with for, for your life, you know. Um, so, so that really gives people a glimpse into that. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for saying that I was rare, but I would rather not have been rare. Um, but also like... Is there a way to know how your skin's going to react to COVID or even to the vaccine or to any of it? Because, I mean, we're all so inherently different, right? And, and your body is made up of so many different things, mine and yours. There is no way to know. 
right? No, I mean, and, and, and you must remember, like, we're still gathering data, you know, like we, as we go, we're getting, we're getting new research, new studies have been written um, all the time, also with the skin, skin reaction. So it just has been reported in about 20% of people. So we can't predict who will get it. Um, with regards to the vaccine, few scattered case reports of some skin reactions, um, but again, very rare as well. And treatable and definitely not forever. Not forever, exactly. As much as it feels like it, and I can tell you now it's going to feel like it's going to be forever. It's not forever. No. It's not forever. No. Unless diagnosed, but then you're going to have a plan and you're going to manage a condition and it's going to be okay. It's not yes. forever. Okay. I like that. So, Dr. Taryn, um, I'm listening, I'm watching, I'm hearing all the things. I have this funny rash. What now? Where to you from here? So, now, is this if you've tested positive for COVID? No, 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 just COVID in general. No, no, any rash? I'm, yeah, I'm listening to um, this podcast and I have this, like, rash over here that I thought was from my wife. Right. I have a so rash. I think... Get it sorted out, you know, get it, get a medical opinion sooner rather than later. <laughs> um, you know, don't self-treat, don't self-diagnose, see your general practitioner, see your dermatologist, you know, so you don't need a referral to see your dermatologist. Um, if anything is really a concern for you, I think it's really worth getting the right diagnosis, prompt treatment. Um, it can save you a lot of costs and suffering in the long run okay so other than COVID seasonal changes I mean everyone dies of hay fever at this point of the year we have a house full of antihistamines and there are there are many like lifestyle factors that I think could affect the skin right moving countries moving just areas in South Africa uh, seasonal changes sun exposure the common cold flu um, hormonal things what all affects our skin and how can we be better to our skin so that it wouldn't? Well, I think this time of year, it's spring, um, we're seeing a lot of allergic type of reactions on the skin. Okay. People may be allergic to what we call aeroallergens around us. So it's high amounts of pollen, um, the different types of grass species, um, and that can result in an eczema pattern on the skin, usually on the exposed areas. Um, so, so that can be easily sorted out by doing certain tests, by using anti-inflammatories. So that's what we see more in springtime. Um, but I think, I mean, let's going back to COVID, we, we now, since the pandemic, that is really posing a lot of um, challenges for our skin that we're dealing with for, you know, throughout the year. Um, firstly, the hand hygiene aspect, you know, we rightfully all um, taking that seriously, but we're seeing an, a really an uptick in the cases of hand eczema dry skin and irritation um, because of set. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not seasonal, but it's just what we're struggling with. So um, for that, the way to combat that would be just using a moisturizer judiciously after you wash your hands and throughout the day. And people okay. ask, well, what kind of moisturizer um, the optimal moisturizer will be quite thick and like a greasy ointment or cream with hydrating ingredients in like glycerin, like um, petroleum as well. Um, and if you actually develop a rash on your hands, 
do see your doctor because you need some sort of prescription anti-inflammatory in the form of a topical corticosteroid. Um, so the other issue that I'm seeing quite a lot, you know, um, throughout the year now has been related to masks and prolonged mask wearing. Um, yes, exactly. Um, and, and more so in healthcare workers. I mean, we're all using, I'll grab this from my desk, we're all using like N95s and yeah. surgical masks for very long durations. Um, and that is causing issues. People who are prone to acne breakouts, who are prone to rosacea, eczema, we're seeing an ex, um, aggravation of that underlying skin condition because of the friction and the pressure. Um, in fact, there's a new, well, not even new anymore. Last year, they coined the term mask knee, right? Mm. Which is what you were referring to, to mask related acne. Yeah. Um, so that is really a lot of things that I'm seeing professionally. I mean, for, for mask me, what I'm recommending to patients is good cleansing. So cleansing, cleansing, cleansing. Can't um, emphasize that enough. Using ingredients like salicylic acid, benzoyl peroxide in your cleanser. And then the other thing I'm recommending a lot is that of vitamin A-based creams to try and prevent further breakouts. Okay. Okay. And um, these things we can get from a dermatologist or we can buy over the counter? Over the counter. So like a face wash, if you, if you are struggling for breakouts, whether it's mask related or not, a face wash or a range with those two ingredients in salicylic acid again, benzoyl peroxide and retinol that would be found in skincare. And if that is not working for you, absolutely see your dermatologist for something that's prescription. Okay. What is the one thing all dermatologists wish we would listen to? Because you guys tell us a lot of stuff, right? And we listen to some of it and we don't listen to the other stuff. And like we try with the sunscreen, but not really. What is that one thing that you wish we would absolutely listen to? Like Bible. I, I think I'll veer away from the cliche of wearing sunscreen every day. I mean, maybe we'll talk more <laughs> about that. But for me, and I think we touched on that, it would be self-diagnosing, turning to Dr. Google, um, turning to, you know, advice on the internet. And these days it's social media, right? Facebook groups, TikTok, you mentioned, um, you know, Instagram. And I do understand the ease of access. I do understand that it is, um, you know, readily available and that people get desperate, yeah. but there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, and you need, we need to be aware of that. So I would say that I wish that people would uh, come and get a proper diagnosis, you know, expert diagnosis, rapid cure, at least a good management plan that is going to just save you um, a lot in the long run in terms of getting it sorted out cost-wise, suffering-wise. Um, that would be my one thing right now. I also feel like looking at the certificates behind you, I also feel like like you spend a lot of time and money and effort in, 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 in figuring all of this stuff out, right? Like, you know, you, you know, you have a doctorate in it. Like you've done the work. I really feel like you're a little bit more um, educated than like this person on a Facebook group about, it. I like, I, no offense to the Facebook groups, but like, you've done the time, you know, you know, you know, yeah. the things. I like, you know, I like it when, and, and some of my patients will tell me, you know, they they have X condition and they join this condition support group on Facebook. And I think that that's actually really great. Um, but you do have a lot of anecdotal evidence. People say, well, this worked for me, um, but you don't know the background of that 
person. You don't know what else they've been on. And, and, and it's confusing, right? It just adds to the noise and confusion. Um, you still need um, someone helping you that is the professional here. Okay, I'm circling back to Sunblock because <laughs> I'm vain and I like my face and I spend a lot of money on skincare products and it's all about narcissism in this house. But I, I have a, I had a colleague who even in the studio, um, the windows were facing a certain way and the sun rose into the windows. And even in a studio with like six panes of glass and like no natural lighting, she would wear sunblock in the studio because of the way the sun rose. And I was like, why? And she said, because she doesn't want to age. And this has has stuck with me. Now, I know that my nan always used to say, even when it's overcast, if you're in the pool, if you're in the sun, you wear sunblock and a hat. Is this the case? And does the sun age us? Absolutely. I mean, we have ample evidence to show that sunscreens help with preventing not only skin cancer, but also premature sun-induced skin aging or what we call photo-aging. So every day is a sun protection day. Um, You know, protection is the best way for prevention, and that means applying an SPF 30 minimum sunscreen daily that's broad spectrum meaning it covers uva rays and uvb rays um to all sun and non i mean areas that are not covered by clothing right to sun exposed areas um and you want to be doing that every single day um so yes i completely agree come rain or shine remember that even in cloudy maybe not remember maybe this is new information but even in cloudy weather about 80 percent of UV rays can penetrate through cloud. When you're sitting by a window, unless you're living in a cave, that's what I like to tell my patients, you are experiencing UVA rays because that can actually penetrate through glass when you're driving through the car as well. So, you know, having my derm hat on, I would say that just get into the habit of putting it on every day. Um, You know, probably less exposure on a cloudy day, but you don't want to break that habit. Mm. Make it a habit after you moisturize your face to put on sunscreen. And in that note, sunscreen's for everyone. You know, it's for all skin types, no matter how dark your skin tone is. Um, Darker skin tones also um, get sunburned. It is to a lesser extent than someone who's blonde and blue eyes, that kind of phototype. Um, But all skin types can get sunburned and skin cancer. So it really is for everyone. What people of skin of color actually experience more is the sun-induced damage in the forms of pigmentation. Mm. So even from that aspect, when it regards to photo-aging, we know that the sun and external factors actually make up 80% of what ages us. Yes, the rest is genetic, um, but largely related to the sun. Um, yeah, Danny. <laughs> no. <laughs> for another another reason, I think that kind of sells it for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, but I love to tan, so I know, I know, I can hear my family going. But brown fat is better than white fat. Look, we must tan. So what now? Yeah. Well, let's talk about what what is a tan. So um, in our skin, we've got a pigment called melanin. And this melanin is made by cells, which we call melanocytes in the skin. So when you are exposed to UV radiation, your melanocytes produce more melanin as a hope to actually absorb that UV radiation, basically. 
So what a tan is, it's actually a sign that your skin is being damaged and it's trying to protect <laughs> itself, right? Wow. Um, and when you repeat that process throughout your lifetime, it, it's like a buildup of cellular mutations in the skin and that can eventually lead to skin cancer. So no tan can really be justified and no tan is safe. Um, that goes to say tanning beds as well is actually no good either. Um, we're seeing a large increase in younger women getting skin cancer because of tanning bed exposure. No level of exposure from a tanning bed has been found to be safe. So, so that is also you know, best to be avoided. What I tell my patients is if you want that brown, what is it, the bronze glow, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the best way is to fake it. So self-tanner is the way to go. Um, yeah, and you get really good ones out there these yeah. days. Um, if you know how to apply it, it can look really nice. Um, just don't be trapped into thinking that pigment is going to, that color is going to protect you from the sun. No, you still need to, to actually use sunscreen then. Thanks, Dr. Taryn. I mean, thanks. I still love you, but. <laughs> <laughs> Hard truth. <laughs> I know, but sometimes we need to hear these things, you know, if we want to age gracefully and, and still look the way that we look. Um, okay. Another question I've often, I mean, you know, that 36 I'm surrounded by kids, everyone's having kids and they're all like getting older now and going to high school and deciding what they want to be. And when I ask them, I mean, influencer is the number one thing that I'm hearing at the moment, which is absolutely devastating, but there's also the hip hop star, doctor, lawyer. No one has said dermatologist. And I would like right. to inspire other little girls who are looking at you and your gorgeous hair. And I want, I want to inspire our next generation of, of, of Dr. Terrence. Wow, why, that's... why dermatology? So, yeah. So, well, first of all, Danny, we do need doctors, you know, um, medicine dermatologists are doctors as yes. well and i know you know that but not a lot of other people know that um you know we often get confused for somatologists and therapists as well so so just to put that out there um we need doctors we need people we need more women in the medical profession um you know, medicine in itself, it can be really rewarding. It can make a huge difference in people's lives. There's a lot of specialities to choose from, about 60 specialities. Derm is just one of them. Um, I can just personally speak to dermatology because what appealed to me was that it is a visual field and I enjoyed that process of um, making a visual diagnosis, you know, reading the patterns of the skin. Um, so that was the one thing during medical school, during clinics, when you get to go in and, and see people with these, like we spoke about, these conditions that really impact their quality of life. When you see them getting better, I thought that that was just so rewarding to be helping people who can visibly see that they are becoming better. It's, yeah. it's a just different aspect that you get from, from other specialities. Um, you know, of course, there's so much variety. We see people from babies, newborn babies, um, to elderly people. So all ages, you get to do the clinical part. You get to do the surgical part, cutting out skin cancers and so on. You get to do the microscope, dermatopathology, which I love. Um, so it's a really lovely mix. Um, but your speciality has to speak to you. And often it may only be after you get into med school and you're kind of exposed to all the different fields available. 
dermatologists are also one of the most happiest uh, specialities. I think there was a study two weeks ago and they rated every, every speciality and who had the most job satisfaction. And we were definitely there. So um, I, I completely agree with that. I wonder why that is. You guys all seem very nice. Like all of the dermatologists that I've ever met are very nice, happy people. It's very true. Even- Look, I have a doctor. I have a, a, a full family of doctors. I can attest to that. Um, I'm much happier than my husband and my, my siblings and my CR. So. <laughs> Even, and this, this might land badly, but um, the other day on breakfast, they were talking about receptionists that work in doctor's offices and why they're so unfriendly. And I've got to tell you, even the receptionists and dermatologists' offices are happy and friendly. Like, you guys are just uh-huh. really nice people. Well, yeah, no, I mean, that's so important, really. I mean, if any, anyone that's patient-facing um, to come to a doctor, whether it's a dermatologist or not, it's is not always a comfortable experience. Um, yeah, that's quite surprising to hear, the unfriendly receptionists, okay. Friendly receptionists, <laughs> definitely. The other ones. Okay, Dr. Taran, is there anything that you would like to add before we log off and say goodbye? Um, no, I think we covered such a great deal of things to consider. I mean, going into summer, I hope I converted you <laughs> and maybe some of your listeners into just the merits of, of daily protection. Um, you know, being careful about what you're seeing on social media. Um, with, with, you know, influences and skin influences and not everything is personalized to you. Um, yes. Wow. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I, I do, I really do enjoy that platform, I must say, and in terms of social media and just um, being able to share a lot of sound advice. Um, but it, it is a bit of a minefield, I think, as well. And can cause a bit of confusion. Um, so, yeah, just being aware of that pitfall. But otherwise, just taking care of our skin. Now, is- speaking of social media, you are on social media. Where do we find you? Where do we follow you? Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, at Dr. Taryn Jacobs, um, that, I, I, do, I do share quite a bit of information there. Um, and then, obviously, my practice is also on social media although not as active as it should be, but that is drjacobs.dermatology and also on Facebook. Um, some good information there on skin cancer and psoriasis particularly. Yeah, very, very informative. If you're looking for info, this is this is a good way to get info from an actual dermatologist on Instagram. Um, Dr. Taryn, and if someone wants to get in, in touch with the practice, come and see you, where can they go to find info? So um, I think my, my website would have the most info with all the contact details. So it's an easy one. It is pretoriadermatology.co.ca. Contact numbers there. I'm at Life Eugene Marie Hospital. Um, yeah, so it's all that can be found there. Awesome. Dr. Taran, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for reiterating the importance of sunblock. Promise I'm going to listen. And um, I hope that you get a lot of people getting in touch because I feel like it's necessary. Thank you, Danny. It's just been such a huge pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.